Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. From the blackest corners of your mind, they call, pulling you deep into shadow, twisting your senses, keeping you from sleep. It's time to face your darkest fears. This is Tales to Terrify. Good evening, children of the night, and welcome. All I can say is, wow. When I sent the call out for support last week, I wasn't too sure what to expect, but I am blown away by the response. In just one week, we've made a huge leap forward toward our goal of compensating everyone involved with the show, including our narrators and staff. Thank you to everyone who's added your support. In a single week, we've crushed probably a full quarter of our goal, which puts us well on our way. If we had a turnout like that every week, we'd be able to regularly pay our narrators and staff, as well as increase our author rates to full professional level, maybe even before Halloween. It feels amazing to even say that, and obviously that's a bit of a dream, but we've got a ways to go yet. 
of the tens of thousands of listeners we have every month, it's really only a handful of amazing individuals that feed the beast and make this show possible each week. Just a single dollar from even a fraction of our listeners each month could help make this beautiful nightmare a reality and make Tales to Terrify a true professional market. And once again, I understand that different situations mean it's not feasible for everyone. But for those of you who already support the show, I can't thank you enough. Rather than rush through the names of the delightfully demented individuals who've recently joined our Patreon, I figured it's only right to space them out over the next couple of weeks and give everyone the proper appreciation they're due. This week's episode goes out to patrons Just Julie and Ryan Nagel, and PayPal supporter Patrick from Megaflow Graphics. Your incredible generosity truly sends chills down my spine. Also something I mentioned last week is that we're looking for new narrators, in particular females from the UK. So if you love reading disturbing fiction, why not share that love out loud with thousands of listeners from around the world? You don't even have to leave the comfortable confines of your closet. Find details about our recording guidelines as well as how to submit an audition at talestoterrify.com slash volunteer. I hope to hear from you. We have a longer tale for you this evening, which comes from Matthew Nichols. Matthew Nichols holds a master's degree in history and works in the IT field. When he's not working, he's writing, gaming, reading prose fiction and comic books, or exploring his own little corner of Ohio. He has published short stories and publications such as Under the Bed, Aphelion, Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and Electric Speck, as well as anthologies such as Shrieks and Shivers from the Horror Zine, Nine Tales Told in the Dark, Hellfire Crossroads, and the October 2019 Ink Stains Anthology. Children of the Night, join me for Matthew Nichols' Mama Loves You, a Tales to Terrify original. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do 
not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The moon siren went off around the same time Mama started looking for the doohickey collar. It always sounded different than the one Marissa was familiar with. The siren she was used to only went off during really bad storms, and this was the time of year for greenish skies and clouds boiling overhead, threatening to disgorge rain and hail, thunder and lightning, and sometimes the destructive funnel clouds, which thankfully Marissa had yet to see with her own eyes. When that siren went off, it meant they were going to be in the basement for a few hours, tops. They still went down to the basement with this siren, but it was different. They were down there a lot longer than a few hours, and they had to wait for a specific all-clear signal that would come over the radio. Mama also wore the thing she'd come to call the doohickey collar around her neck and their two days at most were spent inside the safe room that had cost two paychecks worth to buy and install, according to Mama. Marissa still didn't understand why Mama couldn't come inside the safe room with her. Marissa was the one to spend time inside the safe room, and Mama always set herself up on a chair outside. Because it's what needs to happen, honey, was the answer Marissa always got when she asked. What'll happen to you if the other people get inside the house? Marissa asked. I'll take care of them, Mama soothed, smoothing Marissa's hair back from her forehead. Don't you worry yourself about that. Dad said that too. The thought always came up whenever Mama responded to Marissa with this, but she never verbalized it. Daddy had been gone for a while now, but it still hurt to think about it. Marissa was only eight years old, but already she was beginning to suspect that the hurt was something she was going to have to get used to. 
Doors were being opened, closets being rummaged through, and then those same doors were slammed closed with an aggravated grunt. Marissa focused on packing her backpack. She looked through its contents to make sure she had everything. Sketch pad, pens, pencils, her growing collection of X-23 comics, plus a couple boxes of Nature Valley bars and some bottles of water for emergencies. She was good to go. Marissa zipped the bag closed right as Mama barreled into the room. Marissa jumped and spun around. Mama looked frantic. Her eyes were wide with a lot of red in them, and her skin had gone pale. Honey, do you know where this is? Mama said, gesturing at her neck. The doohickey collar? Marissa asked. Yes, honey. What else would I be talking about? Mama replied tersely. I need to know where it is. I don't... I don't... Marissa started to say, but then Mom came forward and grabbed her around the wrist. Hard. I need to know where it is, Mama said. Did you take it? Maybe to play with it? Mama's not going to be mad at you, all right? I just need to know where it is. Marissa tried to remember. When she did, a picture sprang to the forefront. A drawer in the kitchen, not quite closed, with a little red light staring at her from inside, like a little crimson-eyed creature in hiding. One of the kitchen drawers, I, I think, Marissa said. Relief softened the hardness in Mama's features. Good girl. Come on with me, all right? We need to get downstairs soon. Marissa nodded, slung the straps of her backpack across her shoulders, and followed Mama out of her room, through the living room and into the kitchen, where Mama started going through the drawers. Outside, the moon siren continued to shrill. Marissa's attention was drawn to the big bay window in the front, where she'd seen movement on the street. A truck moving down the street at a speed that was way over the limit, unperturbed by all the speed bumps. Someone else was running in the opposite direction. A man, red-faced and bug-eyed, uttered little screams. Ah! Ah! Oh, God! Ah! 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 With every breath he took as he ran. It was because of the other people. That's what Mama called them, anyway. They only came out when the moon was full, but Marissa hadn't understood why that made them different. Lots of people were still around and outside when the moon was full. She posed this question to Mama once, and she looked down at her, a slight quiver in her lower lip, the only break in her otherwise unflappable demeanor. The other people, they, they, uh, she said softly, they turn into bad things, really bad things. We can't let them get us, and that's why we've got the safe room downstairs. And that was all Mama had said about it. Further discussion on the matter wasn't encouraged, which led Marissa to start perusing the Internet to find answers of her own. Because of her young age, her Internet privileges were limited, but she'd been able to find what she was looking for after typing what happens on a full moon into Google. A lot of confusing gobbledygook greeted her once she hit enter. 
There were a lot of references to social media posts about werewolves and werebeasts and how all the infected were the devil's minions seeking to bring about the end times. Werewolves weren't real, so she skipped over those until she found a news article from NPR. She knew of NPR because Mama always had it playing on the radio when she picked Marissa up from school. She'd pulled up the article and read through it top to bottom, taking in the information it provided. How the infection was caused by a parasite which rooted itself in a person's heart. How once a month, during the full moon, it pumped hormones throughout the person's body, using the heart as a delivery mechanism. How those hormones transformed the person into something else. The really bad things. The other people. There was footage of them, too, but Marissa hadn't been able to access most of it because her account's parental control settings wouldn't allow for it. She was able to see pictures, though. Many of them were blurry and unfocused. The result of panicked people trying to snap a picture with their phones and get away at the same time. But she saw enough, and it provided more than enough fuel for her nightmares. A final thump of a drawer being yanked open. And then Marissa heard Mama utter a satisfied, relieved, Oh, yes. Thank you, God. Marissa turned, saw Mama lift the doohickey collar out of the drawer. Mama looked it over, muttered, Full charge, good, that's good. Then clicked it together around her neck. When it clicked, Mama made a pained, uh, sound, and Marissa knew it was because of the needle. The doohickey sat on one side of the collar, and the needle protruded from it out the other side. It was meant to extend into Mama's neck, and Marissa didn't understand why Mama would want to walk around with a needle in her neck. Marissa hated getting shots at the doctors. And the idea of having one of those needles jabbing into her body for extended periods of time gave her the willies. Mama pushed a button on the doohickey, and some mechanism inside it began to whir. Mama shuddered a little as whatever was in the doohickey pumped itself into her body through the needle. Mama? Marissa prompted. Are you okay? Yes, honey, Mama replied. I'll be fine. Everything will be fine. Go on downstairs, okay? I'll be down momentarily. You promise? I promise. Satisfied with Mama's answer, Marissa headed over to the basement door. She opened it, then clomped down the stairs. She wasn't tall enough for a graceful descent down the risers. So it was clomp, clomp, clomp all the way to the bottom. She rounded the corner and headed toward the safe room. She already knew the code to punch into the keypad, plus the three-digit combinations to each of the three combination locks. Marissa was good at remembering things. She entered all the necessary information, and then with the pull on the handle and a grunt, she eased the thick metal door all the way open. What awaited her inside was a long rectangular space. A shower and a chemical toilet was built into the rear of the space. In front of it was a kitchenette and a very small nook, and in front of that, closest to where Marissa stood at the entrance, was a lofted bed and a futon underneath it, arranged opposite of a Roku TV mounted to the wall. 
Marissa stepped inside and climbed halfway up the ladder to the lofted bed and slung her backpack up onto it. Mama was coming down the stairs and was approaching the open door by the time Marissa's feet touched the floor again. Mama was lugging a 24-pack of water in both arms. When Marissa reached up to help, Mama shook her head. It's all right, honey. I got it. Mama said. Thanks, though. You're welcome. Mama took the pack into the kitchenette, and she set it down on the narrow counter space, right as everything suddenly went dark. Marissa looked up and around in surprise reaching out and curling her fingers around a rung of the ladder to steady herself. No. Mama whispered, then louder, No! What's wrong, Mama? Marissa asked. Mama didn't answer. Instead, she surged past her daughter and out of the safe room, making a beeline for the breaker panel. Marissa came out of the safe room and watched Mama throw open the panel and look over the switches. There was just enough light coming into the basement for Marissa to see that none of the switches had flipped. It was a power outage. No, 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 God damn it! Mama yelled, hitting the panel with a single fist. The sound of the blow made Marissa jump a little, startled. Her mother backed away from the panel, uncurling her fist and shaking the pain out of her hand. All right, Mama whispered. All right. All right. It'll be all right. Mom? Marissa prompted, her voice soft. They still won't be able to get in. Mama whispered, They won't get in. I won't get in. Mom? What? Mama whirled around on her, and the, and the movement was so fast, Marissa jumped back, eyes wide and riveted on her mother. Something was different. For the briefest of moments, her mother's eyes glinted a bright yellow. And it wasn't so dark in the basement that Marissa hadn't been able to see Mama's teeth. They were mostly normal, save for the four of them in the front. They'd elongated a little, just enough to be noticeable. Mama doesn't usually move that fast, either, Marissa realized. She's always too tired from working. What's wrong, Mama? Marissa asked, her voice still softened by fright. Mama stared at her daughter for a little while longer, stared hard. But after a bit, she composed herself, relaxing and straightening her posture, coming up out of the crouch she'd fallen into, like she'd been getting ready to spring. I'm sorry, Mama said. I just... I just got a little scared right then. It'll be okay. Really. Marissa nodded like she agreed, except secretly, she didn't. Not when Mama's eyes had glowed like that. Not when she'd seen what had happened to her teeth. It's just... It's just... Mama said, then swallowed hard before continuing. It's just that the safe room runs on electricity, like the house. The safe room is capable of pumping air in and out so you can breathe while you're inside. No electricity means... No air, Marissa finished. And the locks won't work either, she didn't say aloud, and felt her belly fill with ice water. 
She'd suspected something had been off when Mama had started wearing the doohickey collar and had put two and two together when the collar went on around the time of the full moon. When the changed people came out, she hadn't let the realization sink in because she hadn't wanted it to be true. But tonight, she'd borne witness to irrefutable proof of the horrible truth. But when did she get bit? Marissa wondered. How'd she hide it? But that'll be okay, Mama said. You can manually work the locks from inside, and I got something for you in case the air runs out. A couple of somethings, actually. Help me bring them down, plus some extra supplies. Then I'll show you how to manually work the locks. Marissa nodded. She'd become very good at nodding. Satisfied, Mama turned and started up the stairs, and Marissa followed behind. The couple of somethings Mama mentioned turned out to be a pair of small air tanks with masks you could fit over your nose and mouth. As they worked on getting the tanks and the extra supplies downstairs, the early evening outside deepened into twilight. They both began to hear howls as the rest of the daylight was slowly scrubbed out of the skies by the coming night. Marissa knew it was the people changing. She'd heard their howls before, but never so many of them at once and never so close. They got the last of the supplies downstairs, and with that, Marissa ensconced herself in the safe room while her mother remained outside. She unfolded a chair and sat herself directly in front of the basement stairs. In her lap was a 9 millimeter handgun and two magazines. And from inside the safe room, she watched as Mama used a handkerchief to take bullets from a can and press them down into the magazines. The scant light in the basement glinted off of them on occasion, and the tiny winks of brightness were always silver. Silver hurts the changed people, Marissa remembered, and felt her belly go cold all over again. When the handkerchief fell away from Mama's grip, right as she touched the bullet, there was a loud sizzling sound, like a hamburger being laid down on a hot grill. And then Mama was standing up. Gun and magazines clattering to the floor, clutching her hand and screaming, Ow! Fuck! Marissa turned away from the entrance then. Tears welled up in her eyes and she did her best not to cry, so Mama wouldn't know that she knew about her. Outside, moonlight frosted the neighborhood as its denizens took shelter inside their homes, and the dominion of the changed people ensued. The door hung partway open. Marissa sat on the futon, a flashlight in her right hand, and one of her comic books splayed open on the seat next to her. She'd been reading the same page for the past several minutes, and she realized this with a sigh. She leaned back, flipped the comic book closed, and then put it back in her pack. She debated getting out her sketch pad, but decided against it. She clicked off the flashlight and sat back, staring up at the underside of the lofted bed. Then she looked at the door. A reed-thin sliver of moonlight lay across the floor like a line drawn in the sand. The line had been drawn by Mama, who remained sitting in her chair opposite the stairs, gun loaded with silver rounds in hand. You stay inside and do not come out, Mama had said sternly, loading each word with as much authority as she could muster, no matter what you hear. Understand? Marissa had answered in the affirmative, and into the safe room she'd gone. Now, sitting in the dark, 
She didn't hear anything. She scooted across the futon until she was close to the door. Mama? She called. Yes, honey. Mama replied. Marissa felt relieved. Is everything all right out there? Marissa asked. Yes, honey. Mama said. I'm fine. The collar's doing the trick. Marissa nodded, though she knew Mama wouldn't have told her that no, she wasn't fine. The collar might have been keeping the change from happening, but the pained grunts Marissa heard on occasion spoke volumes about how fine Mama actually was. Mama? A sigh, then... Yeah, babe. When did it happen? Mama didn't respond for a moment. Her silence added weight to an atmosphere already heavy with fear and anticipation. Then she said, When did what happen? Now it was Marissa's turn to sigh. She wished Mama would just come out with it already. Marissa might only have been eight, but she wasn't stupid. The bite, Marissa said. When did you get bit? More silence. More anticipation. More fear. Two months ago. Mama's voice was small, like Marissa's when she got scared. Marissa wanted to ask more questions, but she got the sense that if she did, Mama would clam up again. So she stayed quiet and let Mama determine the course of the conversation. It was two days before the full moon. Mama continued. No moon siren. Everything I was seeing on the news pointed to the infected not coming out until then. So I thought it was safe to stop off at the grocery store. We were out of milk and eggs and a few other things. It was supposed to just be a quick stop. In and out. No harm done. Except I got out to my car and heard someone running up behind me. I wasn't quick enough. I think he was trying to go for my neck, but he botched it. Got my shoulder instead. He hadn't fully turned yet, so he still looked human and had about the same strength. He ran off after I cut him with my silver knife. It wasn't yet time to pick you up from your friend's house, so I headed home. There was only one puncture wound, a tiny one that managed to break the skin, so I cleaned it as best I could and hoped that would be enough. It wasn't. Mama's voice broke then. Marissa wanted to come out of the safe room, to go to her, to wrap her arms around her and hug her and tell her everything was going to be okay. But Mama didn't want her to come out of the safe room, and she understood why. Even with the doohickey collar, the change was still trying to happen. I started noticing changes a few days later. Mama continued. I was stronger. I felt better than I had in years. I didn't ache so much when I came home from work. I could see better, to the point where I didn't need my contacts or glasses anymore. Smell, taste, touch, all the other senses, too. Is that when you got the doohickey collar? Marissa asked. Yes, Mama replied. I'd heard about them through the grapevine at work. I looked it up online. There were a lot of scammers trying to sell fake ones. But there was a site I found that was legit. I bought one, tried it out during my first full moon. Marissa remembered. Mama had sent her to be with her grandparents up in Columbus. Marissa hadn't understood why at the time, and neither had Grandma and Grandpa. It worked, 
Mama continued. I felt the change trying to take place, but the medication in the collar did its job. It hurt like hell, but after that initial period, I felt fine. Why didn't you go to the hospital? Marissa asked. Why didn't you call for a doctor? Why did you have to go through this alone? I'm sorry, Mama said, her voice softened by regret and the pain Marissa's questions must have brought. I'm so sorry. I don't want you to be sorry, Mama, Marissa replied, her voice soft too. I want you to be okay. I am okay, babe. No, you're not, Marissa retorted, an adult harshness honing her voice scalpel sharp. You had to buy one of those things to keep you from turning. There's no cure for this, Mama said, her own voice hardening. And if you go to the hospital and tell them, hey, I got bit by a werewolf in the parking lot, you're never seen again. I didn't want to leave you all alone. Marissa opened her mouth to utter another retort, something along the lines of, you still should have asked for help. But she closed her mouth again to cut it off before it could escape her lips. The idea of losing her mother coalesced into a hot ball of fear in her guts, evaporating the coldness. Mama was right. You heard all about people being taken away if they went to seek medical treatment for their bites. All the commercials said they were being taken care of as scientists worked to cure them. And that might have been true. That didn't make them any less absent, though. If Mama got taken away... She'd still be alive and well cared for, but she wouldn't be here, where Marissa still needed her. There was Grandma and Grandpa, sure, but every time Marissa was dropped off at their house, more and more frequently, it seemed, but now Marissa knew why, she'd gotten an increasing sense that they saw her as an extra burden they had to take care of. No, no, Mama couldn't go away. Not now. Not ever. I don't want you to go away, Mama, Marissa said, tears welling in her eyes. I don't want to go away either, babe, Mama replied. That's why I got this collar. That's why I got the safe room, so you'd be safe if if something happened. Tell you what, when this night's over, you and I, we're going to go somewhere. Get away for a while. Maybe Tennessee. Gatlinburg is lovely this time of year. What do you say? It was the summer. School wouldn't be starting for another month or so, and Marissa had always wanted to see more beyond the confines of their little town. Sounds good, Marissa said. All right, Mama said. Why don't you try and get some sleep, okay, babe? I'll be up watching everything all night. Okay. Marissa brought one of the air tanks with its mask up onto the lofted bed with her. She set it at the foot of the bed and laid her head down on the pillow. With her mother's presence outside and the promise of something fun once this terrible night was over, firing her imagination, it wasn't long before Marissa drifted off to sleep. Marissa erupted upwards, out of the dream and back into wakefulness, and from wakefulness to sitting upright and ramrod straight. Looking around wide-eyed, there had been a, a crashing sound. So loud she could have interpreted it as a gunshot, were it not peppered with the other sounds of splintering wood and breaking glass. Mama? 
Marissa called out. Mama didn't answer. She called out again, and this time she got a response. Though it was alarmingly weak. Ah, I'm here, babe. Mama sounded tired. Whatever was in the doohickey collar must have been wearing her out. Or whatever was fighting inside of her to turn her. What was that? Marissa asked. I think someone broke in. Upstairs. Mama replied. There's a deadbolt on the door upstairs. We should be okay. What if they're changed? Marissa wanted to ask, but didn't. Her attention was drawn upwards again as footfalls pounded across the floor. It wasn't the steady bump, bump, bump of a regular two-legged human. Instead, it was the click-clomp, click-clomp of something walking on four legs, the footfalls punctuated by the click of nails against the hardwood floor. And there was more than one. Marissa estimated she heard at least two sets of footsteps, and they weren't wild dogs. They'd never had any issues with wild dogs here in town, and she was pretty sure dogs wouldn't be methodically working their way through the house, room by room, looking for people to eat. Dogs also wouldn't have started pounding against the basement door just then. Shit, Marissa heard Mama say. There was a metallic squeak and the reassuring sounds of bipedal footfalls as Mama stood up. Marissa, Mama said, put on your mask and shut the door. Mama? You heard me. Do as I say. Panic spiked within Marissa. Her stomach shrank down to the size of a plant seed and everything in it felt like it was being pushed back up to her mouth. Saliva flooded her mouth, the usual precursor to vomiting, though she wasn't feeling the contractions associated with it yet. She went to the door, peered out through it. Mama had risen to her feet. She tightly gripped the gun in her right hand, though she kept her finger off the trigger. She stared up the stairs at the basement door, her eyes carrying a steady yellow glow. No hints this time. The collar's not working, Marissa thought, and now she did feel like throwing up, except Mama hadn't turned. It was just the eyes maintaining that glow. She could still speak, still hold on to the gun. Mama was still there. Mama turned her golden-eyed gaze onto the safe room and her next words came out as a soft but guttural growl. Marissa, she said through a larger set of teeth, please do as I say. Marissa nodded. I love you, Mama. I love you, too. Go on now. Marissa was about to ease the door shut when something huge and powerful slammed into the basement door. Mama's attention was riveted upwards, and she raised the gun feet shoulder-width apart in a shooter's stance. Her body trembled, though her jaw was set, and her gaze was as steady as could be. Two more poundings, and then suddenly pieces of the door rained down the basement steps to gather at Mama's feet. Mama looked down at what was left of the door, then back upstairs, and then she lifted the gun and squeezed the trigger. And the gun came apart in her hands. With a cry of pain that was somewhere between a, a dog's growl and a cat's mule, 
Mama dropped the smoking ruins of the gun to the floor. She fell to her knees, gripping her ruined hand with the good one. She had lost two of her fingers, and her middle one had been shorn down to half its size, like a freshly pruned branch. Blood squirted and pumped onto the floor, turning the concrete red. Footfalls, bipedal this time, slowly descended the staircase. Wide-eyed, Marissa saw a pair of feet stop halfway down. Reddish-gold fur sprouted in unkempt patches from the skin that looked stretched and bloated, like an overcooked hot dog ready to burst. The thing on the staircase breathed in, then breathed out, and Mama stared up at it, her mostly human visage a mixture of terror and defiance. After a little bit of this, it spoke. Run with us, sister, it said. Tear that collar from your neck. Run with us. Eat. Fuck. Climb. Play. The night is ours for the taking. Marissa heard more breathing sounds, then sniffing. The thing on the staircase was sniffing the air, and when it finished, it uttered a satisfied growl. Little morsels hiding in the dark. <laughs> It said with a mirthless laugh, Don't hold out on us. Join us for a little bite. What do you say? Mama planted her good hand on the chair in front of the stairs. She pushed herself up onto her feet and stared up at the monster in her house. I say, fuck you. Mama replied. Then she looked at Marissa. The hard defiance in her eyes softened turned to love and tears, and Marissa turned the gaze with love and tears of her own. Mama started to reach up towards the collar. No, Marissa thought, and she shook her head vehemently, but Mama just nodded. It's gonna be all right, baby, Mama said, her fingers working at the collar's clasp. No matter what happens, remember that Mama loves you. Mama's always loved you. My daughter, my joy. Close the door, okay? You don't want to see this. And with that, the clasp came undone, and Mama tore the doohickey collar from her neck and cast it aside. Blood squirted a little from the point where the collar's needle had been, but the skin rapidly healed as it began to shift. The gold in Mama's irises seemed to ignite, and Mama sank to her knees as she grew larger. The building muscles tearing through her clothes and reducing them to rags, she shucked off as the change took over. Marissa didn't want to see anymore. She yanked the door closed and worked the locks from inside. The deadbolts in the door slid into place, and with that, she was locked in. She picked up the air tank, slung its straps over her shoulders, and once the mask was fitted over her nose and mouth, she reached behind her and twisted the valve. Oxygen flowed, and the thing that used to be her mother cut loose with a throat-tearing, triumphant howl scream that crescendoed with additional sounds of combat. Get this fucking bitch off me! The monster on the stairs yelled, and at the end... It shrieked high and loud, and then Marissa heard a massive, wet splash.
splatter as liquids and meaty-sounded things landed at various points outside. Marissa didn't hear any more from the monster on the stairs. The sounds of fighting moved upstairs as Mama tore into the second monster that had invaded their home. Marissa lay down on the floor of the safe room and hugged herself, squeezing her eyes shut to try and drown out the sounds coming from upstairs. The howls, growls, grunts, curses, the breaking of objects, the shattering of walls and doors. The wet sounds. Marissa cried through it all and didn't stop until sleep arrived to temporarily embrace her. As it reached out to offer shelter, Marissa gladly took it. She came to in darkness. She panicked at first because she didn't initially remember where she was. But as her pupils dilated to drink in as much light as possible, she saw the futon and the lofted bed and the TV mounted to the wall opposite the assemblage. Marissa remembered. The door she closed at Mama's request and all the sounds of carnage and destruction following Mama tearing the collar from her neck so the change could occur. Marissa sat up, then remained still, listening. She heard nothing from outside. Marissa stood up, found the remote, and turned on the TV so she could get the time. It came on with a series of cheerful sound effects that were wildly inappropriate for the situation, then revealed the information she'd been looking for. It was eight in the morning. The night was over. The full moon wouldn't be out, and the changed people would have reverted back to human form. Marissa undid the locks and slowly pushed open the door. She peered out through the steadily widening opening, looking from side to side, ready to pull the door shut again if anything moved. Nothing did. She pushed the mask off her face and unslung the air tank and set it on the floor. Once she closed the valve, she slowly made her way out into the basement. She looked up the staircase and stopped, recoiling a little. She'd never seen so much blood in one place, nor the pieces of something that stuck to the walls and stairs, like cuts of meat, dark red and coagulated. She tore that first one apart, Marissa realized. Tentatively, she began to make her way up the stairs, tiptoeing past the bloodier parts until she made it up to the first floor. She peered around the bloody door jams on either side of the entrance, then stepped over the remains of the basement door. The kitchen was virtually unrecognizable. Most of the cabinets had been smashed in with fragments of plates and cups and glasses jutting out from the wreckage like collections of broken teeth. The drywall from the kitchen to the living room had either been dented or caved in entirely. The carpet in the living room was mostly intact, save for a few spots where claws had shredded through it, and there was no salvaging of any of the furniture. Mama? Marissa called. She paused, listening. There was no response. She continued her cautious exploration of her home. At some point, they must have torn through the door leading out into the garage because a big hole yawned open where it used to be. Marissa looked through it, seeing nothing but darkness. The light switch was still intact, and she thanked God for small blessings. When she flipped the switch and the lights in the garage came on, 
Mama's car, a Toyota RAV4 with the grinding engine and last legs that had swiftly been running out of steam, looked like a giant fist had descended from the sky to smash it flat. Blood, glass, and bits of fur littered the concrete around it. She stepped further into the garage and went around the car, then stopped. Her gorge rose. The second monster hadn't been subject to the same level of fury as the monster on the basement stairs, but it was pretty close. Only half of it was left, and its left arm was missing. It had reverted back to human form sometime after death, she assumed, and now it was just a man. Blank brown eyes stared up at her, and his mouth hung open. No sharp teeth, no yellow eyes. Just a normal human without the moon's influence. Then her stomach heaved and Marissa doubled over, falling to her knees as she puked up whatever she'd eaten the night before. It hadn't been much, and once the liquids had been upchucked, she graduated to dry heaves that gradually subsided. When she was finished, she wiped her mouth and used the front bumper of Mama's smashed car to help herself up onto her feet. Mama, where was Mama? She'd found the bodies of the two monsters, but not her. She tried to take that as a good sign. She hadn't searched the whole house yet. She headed back inside and out through the back door. She checked the length and breadth of the backyard and looked over her neighbor's fences just to dot her eyes and cross her T's. She moved back inside the house, calling for Mama. But there was neither a response nor any sign of her. Gone doesn't mean dead, Marissa told herself, fighting to tamp down the rising panic. Gone doesn't mean dead. She could be out there somewhere. If she is, then she needs your help. Marissa set her jaw and did her best to be brave. She went back down to the basement and snatched up her backpack. She also grabbed Mama's doohickey collar. The mechanism was still intact. The strap had broken, but that was okay. They could tie it off or secure it with pins or some other way. They'd figure it out. Once the collar was in the bag, Marissa headed back upstairs, making sure to avoid the gore all over the stairs. She already had some supplies in her backpack, but added a few more just in case. Before she left, she tried calling 911. She made several calls. And each time she was greeted with an automated voice telling her that all lines were currently busy. Please try your call again later. She resolved to make calls every few minutes. Marissa opened the front door and stepped out onto the walk. She looked around her neighborhood, breathing in the cool air of the morning. She heard sirens in the distance, along with a few shouts and screams here and there all of it overlaid by a thick scent of smoke. Somewhere in all of that chaos and carnage was her mother. She'd have changed back by now. She'd be cold, alone, and tired, in need of someone who loved her, someone who wouldn't see her as a thing or an animal. Marissa loves you, she said under her breath, and Marissa is going to find you. With that, Marissa adjusted the straps of her pack to make sure they sat comfortably on her shoulders. Then she started to walk.
That was Matthew Nichols' Mama Loves You, as read by Michelle Kane. Michelle is from the Kansas City metropolitan area. She has a dulcimer and a bodrin that she doesn't have time to play because she spends her time working in a cube farm and being a mom to her six-year-old son and their 11-year-old Labrador. And, of course, narrating stories when she has the chance. She can be found on Twitter at ShellDavis72. Thank you, Michelle. Well, children of the night, the hour is late, and we've run out of tales to tell. For now. Tales to Terrify is made possible by the tremendous generosity of our supporters on Patreon and PayPal. Amazing fans like Kathy Robinson, aka Deadly Blonde. If you're not a supporter already, be like Kathy. Head over to patreon.com slash tales to terrify, where you'll find all kinds of perks, from ad-free episodes and bonus content, to shoutouts and merch packs. Every dollar goes back into this show to help make it as dark and devious as possible. And we appreciate it so much. Want another way to support the show that doesn't cost a cent? Head over to Stitcher, Podchaser, or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. You'll not only put an unnaturally wide smile on our faces, but help new listeners discover our terrifying tales, too. Now you can share your love of the show out in the world with some Tales to Terrify merch. TalesToTerrify.com slash merch will take you to our Tee Public store, where we've got a great collection of creepy custom and curated designs that's always growing, so check back often. Tales to Terrify is produced by Seth Williams, Pete Morsellino, Meredith Morgenstern, Brian Rollins, and myself, Drew Sebastini, with original theme by Nebulous Entertainment. Tales to Terrify is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Join us again next week as we twist your reality with more Tales to Terrify. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.